This is Mark Gerson, and I'm the rabbi's husband. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Mark Gerson, and I'm the rabbi's husband. And here, as ever, to unearth the inspiring, instructive, and highly practical wisdom of a Torah passage with a fellow seeker of biblical truth. I am delighted today to be joined by Ryan Williams, a graduate of Harvard and an alumnus of Goldman Sachs and Blackstone. Ryan is an entrepreneur at heart. He started his first business, a sports apparel company, at the age of 13. Now, not even 20 years later, he is widely known as one of the most successful entrepreneurs of his generation globally. He is the founder and CEO of Cadre, which is the dominant online platform for real estate investing that is used by individuals and institutions alike. Ryan, welcome to The Rabbi's Husband. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. And I'm incredibly excited for our time together today. Me too. And I am so excited that you chose Psalm 23 because it is not only one of the most well-known and important passages in the Bible, but it's one of the most well-known pieces of human thought with which everyone is vaguely familiar, including me, but I didn't delve into it or frankly think much about it until you told me you wanted to discuss it and then I started to prepare for it. So why don't we begin by you uh, discussing Psalm 23 and then, uh, because it's so short, reciting it. For sure. Yeah, no, it's it's a classic in, in many ways. And, you know, I think the simplicity of Psalm 23 in these particular verses, you know, just brings a real deep meaning and meaning beyond the words. And so as you mentioned, you know, this is the first uh, Psalm, first verse I ever memorized growing up, you know, something my my uh, my dad made sure I memorized and had to recite in front of my church. And How old were you? He had done as well. I was probably five or six, really young. Wow. So at five or six, you your, your father told you, Ryan, I want you to memorize Psalm 23 and you're going to recite it in front of the church. That's right. Yeah. Do you remember it. doing it? I do. I do. It's, it's, wow. uh, I, I remember the aftermath and that people clap. So that's a good thing for sure. But well, I mean, w- what a great religious experience for a five or six year old. It just it shows you the joy and the love of church, which is the best education you can provide a child that age. That's right. I always say, you know, people often at times ask me about, you know, speaking in public and, you know, leading a company and leading an organization. My first speaking experience is my first experience is talking about something meaningful you know, beyond ourselves was in church. And it was, you know, getting up in front of church and, you know, speaking to people that, uh, you know, are a lot older than me, but, you know, had that care and compassion and, and frankly, instilled a lot of confidence as well. But the verse, I guess, Mark, to your point, and again, I've still memorized it. This is uh, Psalm 23, verse one. So Ryan, this is out of your memory now going back uh, 27 years. That's right. So I might get a couple words off, but bear with me. But uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful. So, you know, it is a beautiful verse. It really is. It's a magnificent verse, and it's so, it's so short, and, uh, and, and there's so much here. So tell us, uh, what is especially meaningful about this magnificent psalm to you? It's powerful because 
And over the years, you know, as you reflect back, you begin sort of surfacing different meanings. Um, but what I love about the verse in the psalm from David here is it's it's unique in the context of the psalms. It's full of comforts. It talks about the expressions of delight in you know God's goodness, and for those who depend on Him, uh, how you know He will be your your shepherd. And there's not a lot of sort of grievances, complaints, or otherwise, which which is somewhat unique. And you know what it does that I think is so powerful is it just highlights that you know despite the darkest of days, uh, the greatest of tribulations, your overseer, your shepherd, God is there with you throughout. And it ends with almost this this sense of gratitude and faith. And it's a verse that generations of males in my family have memorized from their youngest age. And I, and I love it because it evokes this young David, uh, you know, who's just beginning his journey, but almost gives you the, the ending, which is, you know, as long as you remain faithful, you know, despite what goes on, you know, the shepherd God will always take care of his sheep and his followers. And I think the other thing is, you know, Mark, in terms of context is, before David was king of Israel, you know, he was a shepherd and he, he, uh, he took care and protected flocks of sheep. And again, it's just that, that metaphor and that connectivity to his own personal experiences are just so powerful. He's wise beyond his years, as, as you know. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, the fact that, he's, that he was a shepherd is so important for a couple of reasons. One, it's so interesting that he refers to God as his shepherd because shepherd in ancient times was the job given to the youngest and thus in an era of primogeniture, the lowliest person. One of the rabbis of the Talmud says, there's no more contemptible office than that of a shepherd. And David transformed it and says, the Lord is my shepherd. There are no contemptible offices. God is a shepherd and he's my shepherd. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. And I, and I like, I like the, the six verses here in a lot of ways. There's almost this interesting dynamic too, where you know the first three verses offer, to your point, this important meaning about God's power to guide us, no matter you know, what the circumstances uh, we face are. It's a powerful reminder, at least for me, and I think for, for all of us, that oftentimes people call upon the Lord when something's troubling them, but he's always there, you know, and he's always journeying with us. And, uh, and again, it's something I go back to a lot. And then the last sort of few verses here are another powerful reminder of, you know, the goodness, God and his love in our lives, and, and, and what can be seemed rather a chaotic and uncertain world. Again, it's easy to have fear, especially when there's evils raging. Um, but again, he, he reminds David in this psalm that, you know, as God reminds us, even in the shadow of, you know, what many people consider to be the most challenging sort of period, death, he offers comfort. And that's to me so powerful. It's those two themes that really interwoven in here to, uh, to provide, I think, the, the perfect um, reading for anyone looking for you know comfort in the midst of the storm from a very deeply personal place. I, I think that's so important what you just said. It's deeply personal. And that comes through in the very first line. The Lord is my shepherd. Right. My. He's my shepherd. He's mine. I mean, there's nothing more personal than saying he is mine. And, and, that, and you're exactly right. That is the relationship God wants with all of us. And that is how we can have the sheep shepherd relationship with God. When we allow God to be what he wants to be, which is ours, mine, as David articulates so beautifully. That's absolutely right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, just, it's timeless, you know, the, the psalm here. And, um, and I think that connectivity, that personal meaning for, for the care, you know, and what a shepherd's like is one of the reasons why this, this reading has lived on and will endure. Well, I think that's, that's another important point that, that this is what the experience of a shepherd's like. So David could not have written this if he weren't a shepherd. 
He would have no idea what Shepard's experienced. He would have no idea what sheep experiences. So he's only able to write this genuinely and literally timeless piece of wisdom because he has a job. That's right. Yeah. And you're, no, it's that, that, that personal understanding, that empathy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in many ways, it's more than a metaphor for him. And I think that the, the powerful, one of the powerful things here is it just really reemphasizes that, uh, yeah, our relationship with the Lord is like a sheep relationship with the shepherd, you know, David's relationship with his sheep. And when you really start thinking about, you know, what was David's experience with the sheep and kind of overseeing them? I mean, it's fundamental. It's providing with food and water and shelter and protection. And he's making that same connection, you know, to, you know, us and, and, and humans and, and what God will do in that same way. And so it's it just, there is a real deep comfort uh, that I find in, in this as well. And, you know, I probably didn't appreciate it when I was five or six reciting it. Um, I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss, miss any words, but, you know, I still understood that, that relationship again, between sheep and a shepherd at a high level and, uh, and the comfort, you know, that comes from knowing there's this ultimate overseer and steward of our lives. And we just have to invite him in. If, and if it's what David's saying, just invite God in and he will be your shepherd. He will steer you. And, and it's so interesting, the valley of the shadow of death. Now, a lot of people recite this passage when they're dying and it's like a, a popular funeral oration, but this is really not what it's about. It's about a guide for the living. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think that's what's so powerful about all these verses in in some is that it starts, you know, in many ways with a reminder of, you know, the Lord being our shepherd, my shepherd in David's case, and that uh, you, you're not going to want. He talks about how ultimately uh, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. And then he, you know, kind of helps illuminate that there aren't going to be green pastures all the time, that there will be these valleys, but throughout you're still supported. You're still loved. You're still cared for. There's still someone walking with you and alongside you. And I, I always, um, you know, one of the, the, the kind of themes and, and it was a comparison that one of my pastors brought up when I was, when I was really young in the context of this, this Psalm was we oftentimes think that we're walking alone. And, uh, and there was this beautiful, uh, story talked about where he said, you know, a man was walking on a beach and, he saw for most of the, the walk, you know, another set of footprints and feet there alongside him. And that was God. And he said, you know, but as I kept walking and, you know, the, the tide started coming up and run, rushing into my feet and things got a little more choppy. I looked to my, my right and I didn't see any, you know, footsteps and I didn't see any feet. And, you know, Lord, what's happening here? Why, why, why did you run away from me, go away from me? And why did you sort of make me walk this path my own? And, uh, and, and God said, well, you know, during those times, the reason you only saw one set of footprints was because I was carrying you through, you know, and, and, and as you think about, you know, our journeys on earth and beyond, you know, I think it's just critical to remember again, that despite good, despite the challenging, we have the ultimate shepherd. And, and I think that to your point, it says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I'm not walking into the sh- valley of the shadow of death and staying there. It's you walk through the darkness not into the darkness. And when there's a shadow, there's always light. Exactly right. And it's, and that I will fear no evil uh, is a great reminder of the, the reason you'll fear no evil is because to your point, there, there's light that will be coming. And, and I love just the, the idea of, you know, it's because it's a form of almost empowerment, you know, thy, thy rod and thy staff, you know, having kind of, you know, the armor of God and the equipment of God to provide you comfort and provide you with 
you know, protection. And it's so beautiful in, in the different circumstances and scenarios you can relate to in, in your own life. And what the one commonality is throughout is that you always have the ultimate shepherd. That's right. And um, you talked before about comfort. Now, I was reading this fascinating commentary by a professional shepherd on this passage. Oh, wow. <laughs> so he said, why would a sheep lay down in green pastures? How do you get a sheep to lay down? He said, sheep are timid, so they won't lay down if they're afraid. He said, sheep are social, so they won't lay down if they're friction. He said, sheep won't lay down if they're troubled by flies or parasites, and they won't lay down if they're, if they're hungry. So all these criteria have to be set in order for the sheep to lie down. So when David talks about that God being the shepherd allowed him to lie down in green pastures, what David's saying from his experience as a shepherd is, he's sure I'm not afraid. He's sure that my relationships are good. He's sure that I'm not bothered by small troubles. And he's sure that my basic physical necessities are taken care of. And that's what God will do for us. I mean, it's, that's, it's, that's an incredible context and interpretation because, again, it shows you the simplicity of you know, the words, but the deep meaning and context behind them that uh, really kind of uh, bring these to life even more so. And, you know, again, I think that to, to your point, um, there are just so many dangers, difficulties, seen and unseen, um, so many circumstances that we work through and we don't always see or understand how God's working in the background and in, in taking care of us and ensuring that, you know, some of the, the points you brought about, you know, that, that have to be addressed for us to be able to lie down happen. And it's, you know, it's the more, more time I spend with the verse, the more time I, I read about it, you know, the more powerful it becomes just given, you know, that sense of almost nourishment, you know, that, that God provides for us as well. Absolutely. Um, now, one of the attributes that David brings this, as we discuss, is that he's a professional sh- shepherd. And so he's able to understand from his experience as a shepherd, he's able to extrapolate it to his relationship with God. Now, you're a man of great faith. How has your experience as a CEO, which is your profession, as an entrepreneur and a CEO, how has that impacted your faith in the same way that, Dep- that uh, David's experience as a shepherd impacted and in some ways defined his faith? Yeah, no, it's a really great question. And, you know, you, to your point, I am a man of faith and, you know, I pray tirelessly and ceaselessly. And that, you know, is, is important for me to be grounded. The reality is that uh, running a company, running an organization, leading people in any way, shape or form is lonely. And it can be challenging and it can be uncertain. And, you know, I think that in, in many ways, this verse is, reminds me of, and, you know, I have it printed out. You know, I look at it on my desk side a lot. Um, what this does is this, you know, shows me that I'm not alone. You know, it, it gives me the reminder that, you know, despite what's to come, that, you know, the, the ultimate shepherd is always there for me. And again, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges of today's time, especially with everyone, a lot of people being remote and being kind of a little more insulated from the rest of the world is, is you can't forget that there is the Alpha and the Omega, you know, God is there. He's with you. He's, he's going to protect you. He's going to provide your, your, you the comfort, but also you the, the strength. And you just have to remember again, that this whole idea of the, the valley of the shadow of death, walking through the darkness, not in the darkness. And so I try to take that with me in everything I do. I make sure our team doesn't get too high or too low. You know, there's going to be valleys, there's going to be peaks. And I remind our team that in many ways, we as an organization um, we have an enduring mission, and that mission is for good. And as long as we maintain that mission, 
to expand access you know, to investments that drive people's futures forward will be guided the right way. And so I try to, I try to orient my leadership. I try to orient how I guide our team through the ups, the downs. Frankly, in many ways, based off of you know Psalm 23, and it was interesting. I was telling one of my employees before we we got on earlier today that um, you know I was going to be speaking with you and doing this podcast, and and I mentioned Psalm 23, and he's also a, a person of faith, and he recited most of it for me as well. And I, and it just think it shows. And he's like, look, I needed that. That was a great lift for me this morning. And he he loved that. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, you know. And so it's universal. And I'm trying to make sure again that I apply these lessons David has as you know as the shepherd you know to my flock to my sheep at, at Cadre and in terms of how I guide lead and, and help them understand that the path ahead of us is one where the light will be there at the end of the tunnel. Just got to make sure we walk through the valley. Now, one of the genuinely inspiring things that Erica and I have learned from our Christian friends and our religiously based friendships is the personal relationship that so many Christians have with God or have with Jesus. It's a deeply personal relationship. Obviously, it's a Jewish concept because David was a Jew and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. But, right. but, yeah. but yeah. you guys have, you live it every day and, and through your witness, you teach us, which is, I guess, the way a great friendship should be. And that's obviously so resonant with you. How did that personal relationship with God, where God, for you, Exactly like for David, it's a deeply personal relationship. There's nothing abstract about it, it seems. God is with you right now. He'll be with you in an hour. That's right. All the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's enduring. He's omnipresent. And, you know, I think I love the Psalms because the Psalms, many of them are, are almost a, a light into David's relationship with God. You're hearing from him, you know, through song and otherwise, the things that bother him, concern him, the things that excite him. And I think, you know, I try to do what I can my day to day, you know, to speak to God and to pray and to ask. And I think, you know, I've come up my faith, always recognizing that God's always there for you, that 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 can be a, a huge form of accountability as well. But you got to build a personal relationship. How did you develop that? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it early on was was really just my grandfather was one of the largest pastors in the state of Louisiana, you know, was, was a trailblazer in a lot of ways, was involved with the civil rights movement. And, and I remember, you know, him, he passed away when I was younger, but I remember him telling me when I'd go over to see him, you know, son, you got to work on your relationship with God. Have you prayed today? You know, have you, have you talked to him? And this is, I mean, I'm younger than probably six or seven. So really, really young. And so something that early on, and you know, and, and the Bible says, you know, you teach, teach them young and, you know, even if things happen over time where they, you stray, you'll come back to the faith. And so my family, I believe, always emphasized that. And for me, that was the one constant and, you know, the one area that I could be grounded in because, you know, I didn't have a lot growing up. I didn't have a lot of financial opportunities and you know, I didn't come from much. And, but, but faith was the thing I, my family always leaned on that I could lean on. And that goes back generations. But, you know, it's so interesting that these, these reminders of, cultivating. It's like any relationship with God where you talk to him, you, you express what's on your mind, you pray when things are, are you know, bad, you pray. And I've seen prayer really make a lot of difference for me. And, and, and you start seeing and hearing and hearing God, you know, and it's not always in your face, but they're, they're indirect. And one example, Mark, is my grandfather, when he passed away, uh, he had a, a huge funeral in terms of the service itself, because he was a pastor and a lot of people from his, his church were there. And, you know, one of the biggest churches in the state of Louisiana, definitely in New Orleans. 
Um, and so you had a lot of people from all over the country coming and speaking. And I must have been six or seven at the time. And I heard God say to me, you know, Ryan, this is your grandfather. You need to go up and let your voice be heard. Let your love, you know, shine. And I remember it vividly. So I looked over at my cousins, looked over at my, my dad, looked over at my mom. And they all kind of could see I was getting up and said, don't go up, don't do anything. I went up and I, and I spoke and I talked about the love and I talked about my relationship with my grandfather. And, you know, I think that was one of the first times where I feel like I really heard God speak to me. Uh, and since then, you know, it's not always direct again, but if you listen and if you're quiet enough um, and if you are open enough in your heart, you can hear him still. And, and again, I think that um, I've tried to build my relationship by being open. And over time, his voice has been more, more clear for me. Uh, and I believe that I've been a better person as a result. Well, I think that's such, such a, a beautiful story, but also extremely important point when, when you said you have to be open to it. So the great Kutzka Rebbe was once asked about the foundational prayer of Judaism. Why does it say these words shall be on your heart? What good is it if words are on your heart? You want the words in your heart. He said, because you have to open your heart. That's absolutely right. They're always on your heart, but it's up to you, it's up to each of us to open our heart. And once we open our heart, that very act of opening, then we can have that enduring personal relationship with God. Whereas, as, as you said, God, he might come to us like he came to Elijah with a still small voice. Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. What did your, your cousins and, and your parents say when the six, six or seven-year-old Ryan Williams just goes up completely on his own volition to give a eulogy? I, I do. I remember the reaction. My cousins were, um, they were all around my age. So they were all kind of almost like deer in the headlights in terms of seeing, like, is Ryan really going up there to, you know, I could barely lift my head over the, the, um, the podium to speak. I remember my dad specifically initially wanted to stop me and then, you know, let it be. And my mom really same thing, you know, initially wanted to stop me because what's this kid going up there doing? Let it be. I got up, I spoke for, I don't know, 45 seconds. I remember crying as well in front of everybody, but I felt, I felt a connection and I felt, you know, fulfilled and I felt like it was the, the right thing to do. And I was able again to, to really, you know, speak truth, speak from my heart. And I think again, going back to this Psalm, David as a young shepherd, I mean, he, he, you think talk about the, the courage, the wisdom, the insights that he had and, you know, his willingness to speak up clearly throughout the Psalms, his willingness to share what was on his heart and in his heart. And you know, that was a model that I now looking back, see that it was inspirational, it was amazing, it was powerful. And it was something that probably going through my, my, my parents' heads, they were thinking, well, look, it does, youth doesn't matter, age doesn't matter. What matters is that, that commitment and that strength to the relationship with God and that willingness and you know, openness to, to do what God asks of you, to recognize that children of God are, may meet you know, um, challenges and may meet uh, adversity, but will receive ultimately holy security, serenity of mind by uh, remaining faithful and by realizing who the ultimate shepherd is. And, and I think that uh, we're all children of God. And they saw a child go up there and speak you know, from, from a place of love and care and someone who was inspired by God. And, and I think you know, that's something that none of us can, can stop you know, when, you know, when, it's, when it's that authentic. Right. Just magnificent. The concluding question always goes from one text, a sacred text of the Bible, to another text, which is Andre Malroux's 1968 book, Anti-Memoir. And uh, he says in the book, 
I just ran into a man with whom I served in the war. He said, this man had saved a lot of Jews and then had become a parish priest. So I said to the priest, in all of your years of hearing confessions, what are two things you've learned about mankind? And the priest said, one, everyone is much less happy than he seems. And two, there is no such thing as a grown-up person. So Ryan, in your years as an entrepreneur, both with Cadre, which is one of the most successful companies of its era, but even going back further when you started a sports apparel company when you were 13, what are two things that you've learned about humankind? Two things that I've learned about humankind are, one, we're all a lot more similar than different. You know, we all have a lot more commonalities than differences. And I believe you know, there are universal truths that we're all looking for. You know, we're all looking for some form of fulfillment. We're all looking for you know, some form of love, care, compassion. And you know, when you start taking a 30,000 foot, foot view out and, and really looking at our, our society and you think about the, us in the context of the universe, you realize that we are a lot more connected than we oftentimes can think and see. And so um, that directly ties to the second truth, which is open dialogue and conversation can solve a lot. And you know, it goes to the whole point about you know, having an open heart and an open mind and positive, you know, assuming positive intent. You can assume positive intent if you believe that we are all more similar than different. And I've seen it you know, in my business in my businesses in the past where, you know, there have been folks who are, you know, more confrontational, more contentious. You know, I go into meetings with some uh, pretty, pretty significant folks and I, I don't go in with preconceived notions. I go in appealing to our universal commonalities and being open and having a conversation and dialogue. And, and I do believe, again, we can get to a lot more alignment. You can get to a lot greater innovation when there is that that willingness, you know, to, to engage and that willingness to be open, to come together and not to diverge and that willingness to remember that we're all sheep and our, our ultimate shepherd is the Lord. And he, I'm sure, wants his sheep work, moving and working in unison. That's right. If you, that's exactly, I mean, if you, from what you're saying, if you take Psalm 23, not literally, but seriously, that's a conclusion you have to come to. Exactly right. Because they, as, as we discussed, they can't lie down together if, there's, if that's not the case. They can't lie down at all. That's exactly right. And I think that's what's also so, so comforting as well about this is it doesn't distinguish between the type of sheep. It doesn't distinguish between certain sheep and this popular. We're all, you know, God's, God's sheep. And he's the ultimate shepherd. And our ability to come together under him, with him, for him, I believe will lead to greater prosperity, fulfillment, and love for all. Something we all want. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, thank you for such a fascinating conversation on so many levels about this magnificent psalm, Psalm 23. Thank you, Mark. If you're enjoying this episode, I hope that you'll sign up for the Rabbi's Husband newsletter, which includes book giveaways from our podcast guests, my weekly column on Christian Broadcasting Network, inspiring updates from United Hatzalah and African Mission Healthcare, and a behind-the-scenes look at my upcoming book published by St. Martin's Essentials, The Telling, How Judaism's Essential Book Reveals the Meaning of Life. You can sign up at therabbishusband.com or feel free to email daniel at therabbishusband.com.